0: There was an I word, multiple syllables, that kept coming up in the chapter. Who knows what it is? Morning. Remember the I word? Immediately. A lot of that, the Gospel of Mark, is written in that tense. Not past, but as it's happening now. So that bears saying... This morning, the Baileys and the McNeelys are not vacationing on a beach somewhere. In fact, Pastor Bailey and Pastor McNeely are also preaching this morning in other Evangel Presbytery churches, so we're going to pray for them as well, but it's always fun, as Dr. Bettinghouse says, it's always fun when the bee team leads, and he means Team Bravo, Team Bettinghouse, Bradley, Belcher, plenty of bees here. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's hand of mercy on us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you glory. Thank you for these dear friends gathered here together. You command us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to you. There are many health and soul concerns among us. Indeed, be with our pastors and their families as they're elsewhere serving your church. Continue, Father, to heal my mother-in-law, Therese. What a gift that her grandkids get to pray for her every day. Thank you for the healing that you have done among us over the years as we petition you. Thank you that my son, Abel, is still here among us. Father, we pray for those yet to be born. Thank you for these dear women giving themselves to the wonderful, glorious, and difficult work of motherhood. Bless them and encourage them. Especially Mrs. Morwood, be with her now. We pray that you bring her and baby safely through with perfect health in your perfect timing Be with the unborn across the land and around the world. We thank you for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And we pray that you would continue to install godly judges and justices who will put an end, help put an end, by the power of your Spirit to the slaughter of the unborn. Father, be with our neighbors. Give them salvation. I pray that we would be a faithful witness. That as our neighbors, some who know us even better than our own family because they see us in our front and backyards, I pray that we would be a faithful Christian witness confessing our sins when they see us sin. Bless our neighbors with salvation. Father, be with those in jail. I pray that we would find and seek ways to minister to those in jail, that we would love them knowing that we're also ministering to Christ. Knowing that if we were in jail, we certainly would want someone to visit us. Father, thank You for the growth in the church, spiritually, and churches being added to Evangel Presbytery. How, how quickly we could destroy ourselves with scandal, with going and serving false gods and idols. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So, Father, as we've confessed already, I pray that we will be faithful to confess our sins to You and to one another and cleanse us. Father, thank You for the youth event recently and the young men and women here who were able to go. I pray that these men and women will grow to be godly men and women. That they will not have the sins of their fathers and mothers protect them, Father, from sin. <clears throat> Father, thank you for providing financially for us. You've been very rich to us, certainly, much more than we deserve. Father, thank you for this space, thank you for Mars Hill and the work that the Thistletons and so many others have done over the decades here. Bless this institution with growth in godliness and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, be with missionaries who serve you around the world. Protect them from the schemes of the devil. Father, be with our government locally, state, nationally. We pray that with this upcoming election, knowing that our hope is not in politics, but knowing that the times and the epochs are in your hands, We pray, Father, that with this upcoming election, you will remove wickedness and that you will install men who love, trust, and obey your law. Father, be with us now. I pray that you would give us faith in you, give us love for you and for one another and for our neighbors. I pray that we encounter Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. As you heard from Elder Ken Patrick, the Gospel according to Mark is where we'll be. Get some water. My throat's still funny from last Sunday. Before Mark, there's a verse in Hebrews that says, open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. With whom we have to do. is how the writer to the Hebrews says it. And as you read the Gospel of Mark, you encounter Jesus in a uniquely straightforward and raw way. And reading through uh, our scripture reading. We're reading chronologically as a church, at least some of us are. Mark really hit me in a, in a striking way, and it's just what I wanted to preach through. Hopefully I'll be able to preach through it. It might take four or five years, because I only preach a handful of times a year, but that's okay. Hebrews again, so before we get to Mark, And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Laid bare—I think the KJV actually says naked. No one, no one in here is naked, because that would be—we would be ashamed. But before King Jesus, laid bare. Therefore, since we have a great High Priest, the writer to the Hebrews says, "Let's take a poll." The Apostle Paul, anyone? Hebrews? Anybody? My man. That's a smart man there. Maybe he's the only one willing to raise his hand. Maybe there are other defectors out there. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. You know, the sailors would tattoo hold fast on their knuckles. Hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the judge. Something that this man appreciates. Jesus is the judge of all the earth. He is your judge, and on that day, when you pass into eternity, He is the one you will give an account to. Some people here are very familiar with law, and so you understand the analogies of a judge so far. Others of you are gifted with accounting. There are several governing principles in accounting, some of which I don't even understand. But one thing about accounting is balance, this matching that. Another principle in accounting is full disclosure. You don't want to hide anything. Accountability. Remember King Belshazzar, his feast in Daniel's prophecy. Suddenly the fingers, this is more terrifying than any film that that you've ever seen, Suddenly, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. Now this is the inscription that was written out: "Mene, Mene, tekel uparson." This is the interpretation of the message: Mene." God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Those are words that you don't want to hear on the day of judgment. Amen, brother? And Jesus is the one with whom we have to do. So the Gospel of Mark, when I was younger, I was a young Christian. I, w- I was first alive in Christ. And then after sitting, uh, after listening to so many sermons, I began to think, Do I really need to hear this gospel thing over and over? Like I'm saved. I'm a Christian now. Do I really have to hear this again and again? And of course, when you're young, you're foolish. And I mean when you're young like 37 years old, you're foolish. I got a grin in the back there. I continue to find how foolish I am with what I think and say and do at the age of 37. And that's just here during the day while working. And you younger folks here, well, I'm sorry to break it to you, you just don't know anything yet. That's why you go through grammar school so that it is pounded in you. So that you might grow up and learn something. And that's okay if you don't know anything yet. Plato quoted Socrates who said Plato morons Socrates ipse se nihil scire id unum sciat i don't know latin i probably butchered it or perhaps scio me nihil scire or rather scio me necire. anybody you know. It's because my Latin's so bad. Hey, if Pastor Belcher is leading, I'm the most charismatic of the three. We're going to go full on tongues. We're going we're gonna to go for it. Anything to wake up, you repressed reform types. I have a translator. Socrates said, I know that I know nothing. I know that I know nothing. Socrates One of the most learned men to have ever lived. So don't ever be intimidated when you're arguing with anyone who knows that God is not real because of this or that evidence. Don't be intimidated. The man who argues that God is not there, he is a fool and he knows absolutely nothing, he hasn't even begun. He's the real fool. And the simple fact is that he just loves his sin. I don't believe in God can basically be translated, I love my sin, leave me alone. This becomes apparent in young men and women tempted to leave the faith. Lord forbid the day when a young man comes and says to you, I don't really believe in God anymore. Do you know the proper pastoral response to a man or woman who says that to you? I don't really believe in God anymore. If a man says that, you say, what's her name? And vice versa. He's probably fallen headlong into sin. And that sin feels good. Sin that you, stupid mom and dad, have kept him from his whole life. (sighs) McCartney and Lennon were truly the best songwriting duo of all time. She's leaving home is one of the most devastating songs ever written. She's leaving home after living alone for so many years. It's terrible. And instead of repenting and following his conscience, that young man, Lord forbid, he instead wants to put his conscience to death. Young men and women, don't do it, do not run from the faith. On the encouraging side, the 7th and 12th graders here that were uh, able to go to the youth event, I think you all liked it. You were smiling at least. You were putting on a good show otherwise. But Mr. Thistleton and I, we had some good conversations during and afterward. What uh, Pastor Bailey said afterward, I, I kind of summed it up with the session, and Pastor Bailey just said, what a delightful group of young men and women that are in this church Truly. I mean they're all knuckleheads they're all sinners but delightfully so. Your dads and moms we want you to be more faithful Christians than we've been. And at a tender age you you say, "Oh no, dad and mom are so godly." It's like clearly <laughs> okay, can I get an amen? See, let's go full charismatic today. Um I just love that my kids are so forgiving. I mean, they've seen the full spectrum of me at home. They're like, Dad, you weren't that mad. Really? I certainly wouldn't want my other friends to see a video of that last night. Good Lord, have mercy on us all. We want you young men and women to stand on our shoulders, weak as they are, okay? Okay, let's take a step back. When I was younger and even more foolish, I thought it was lame kind of lame that I would need to hear the gospel over and over. I mean, we already have the gospel of Matthew. It goes on to the gospel of Mark and Luke and John. But the gospel, if we need anything repeated to us, like, go pick up the clothes in your room. Go pick up the clothes in your room, son. Go pick up the clothes in your room. Go pick up the clothes in your room. We need things repeated to us. If there's anything we need repeated to us, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus saves sinners like us. I told a man, a young man here once, not in this room, but here. I said, You don't know anything. You know, a young man, high schooler, rhetoric student. You could tell he's a proud young man, which is synonymous said, you don't know anything. And he smiled and said kind of defensively, I know stuff. I said, excuse me, you don't know. And then I got kind of serious and I said a word. I said, excuse me, you don't know anything. I got kind of maniacal. And I said, I have seen my bride birth our eight children. You don't know anything. To which he said, oh, do you understand me now? So for several weeks thereafter, during the school week, I'd call him Mr. Knowledge, and he kind of had a fun banter about that. But weeks pass, and he and his buddies encountered more of my morning sermons, my lectures, lectures to my students. And so he and his buddy come up, ask me, smiling, and this time a little more serious, Mr. Belcher, how can we become a wise man like you? Which literally made me laugh out loud. <laughs> so I responded to him, I am not a wise man, but God's word is true. And so the, verse, the first verse I told him, what do you need to tell a young man from God's word? From the Proverbs. I'll tell you one thing. How can a young man keep his way pure? Satan wants to destroy us. Mr. Waldy here all, always talks about the, the grammar principle. Piety is what we're trying to teach these kids. Piety. That's even knowing when to just keep your mouth shut, when to not touch a thing that you shouldn't touch it. There is a piety to that. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it, according to your word okay that's how men grow up not destroying their life and the lives of ladies or men around them they keep it according to your word we want to be wise okay all you need to do gentlemen is keep it according to God's word well that's so difficult you asked for you asked the question all you got to do is keep it according to God's word So then I went home, and like 3.37 the next morning, I printed more verses for him. He he opened the floodgates. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Just learn to shut up sometimes. And this was all me preaching to myself. This goes on about discipline, self-discipline, not boasting, not being proud. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Fearing the Lord, fools despise wisdom. Psalm 1, how blessed is the man. And Romans 8, which is the, and arguably the jewel of all Scripture. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Last week, this young man I've been talking about, I told that young man that one of my sons wants to be like him when he grows up. You know his immediate response? Oh, I hope he's a better man than I am. Wise answer. I like it. Okay, I'm taking a step back again. Hearing the Gospel. The Gospel is what we need to hear again. Yes, again this morning. And then whenever I preach again, Lord willing, it'll be Mark 2 if we make it through this chapter. Years ago, Pastor Bailey preached through the Gospel of John. We were at another gym at that time at a different school on the east side. And that Gospel, the Gospel of John, was written so that we will... Who was there? Or if you know, the Gospel of John written, was written so that we will... So that we, these things are written so that you may believe. Very good. And so this morning we come to the gospel according to Mark. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. Three accounts from different men, all testifying to the same matter of events, simply from different vantage points at times. So, for example, I have a question for you What's behind me? Just describe what's behind me. Anybody? A projector. A Leica screen. Bleachers. A wall. Okay, so those are four accounts a projector, a Leica screen. Just repeating it back to you. Bleachers and a wall. So those four. Are inconsistent because they're different accounts, right? They're actually all correct. But I know stuff because I studied Greek more than you do, and I have a PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary, so you're an idiot and the Gospels are false. Right? Don't be thrown off by these Bible scholars, they are fools. They're called professors. The teachers that you have here could run rings around these men, these false professors, because these are men of faith. Dr. Giroux here, I'm sorry, I work at Mars Hill. I'm going to drop names. You're just going to have to be patient with me. Dr. Giroux is a truly wonderful man. (laughs) Another brother, Dr. Congrove in 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 Bloomington, Uh, we've talked about getting a new Bible translation but the NASB is fine, NKJV's fine, but it'd be nice to have a new Bible translation, and I, I messaged the session, I think, and said, well, we've got the men. We've got Dr. Congrove, we've got Dr. Jarreau, and Pastor Bailey said, we can't give, we can't give up Dr. Jarreau. He wouldn't be at Mars Hill teaching anymore if he devoted himself to writing a Bible. I shared that with him, and he said, eh. I'd rather criticize other men's translations than have people criticize mine. What a wonderful man. All the truly godly Christians, there's a curiosity to them. Wonderful. Don't be don't be intimidated by these Bible scholars who hate Jesus. They're all students of men like Bart D. Ehrman in Carolina. For extra credit, Professor Ehrman, as he's called, before he went to Princeton Theological Seminary, do you know what his alma mater was? Bart D. Ehrman, he's he's a famous critic and cynic of biblical Christianity. You know where he went? The epicenter of evangelical Christianity for the last Wheaton College, which kind of explains Ehrman at least in part. Don't be intimidated by these fools. Our good friend, Pastor Mensel in class, we went to IU Religious Studies School. Oh, so terrible. The two men, the chair of the... I've probably bored you with this before, but it matters. The chair of the graduate department and the chair of the undergraduate department, two men, shacked up together... The younger, being more ideological, um, told Jake in class that he was a stupid hillbilly Christian. And he also said to his class, I love seeing evangelical Christians have crises of faith. Now that's evil. It's evil. Thankfully, coming to IU, I had enough of Scripture stored in my heart that I challenged the older professor, professor a couple times. They, they try to have these gotcha moments in front of class. And I challenged him a couple times on how it could be read in a different way. Stupid me. I didn't go to Princeton. And he's like, well, yeah, I, I guess you have a point there. All you need is scripture. You don't need a degree in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. All you need to know is have stored this in your heart. God, because God is true, though every man is a liar. And I know we do, we do cherish the mind here, which is fine, but don't idolize your intellect. Don't idolize your education. God is in the business of giving us over. That's what happened to Professor Ehrman. He thinks he's so smart that God gave him over. As in Romans 1. You think sexual sin is fun? Well, God in His wisdom might give you over to it in a way that it will destroy you. You think you want quail? You're sick of all this manna that I've been providing you? What does God do in Numbers? Say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. And you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Oh, that someone would give us meat to eat. For we were well off in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? You think you're so smart straying from the Lord. God gives people over. And he can even do that with your education and with your intellect. So be careful. What we need is faith. We need to be men and women of faith. So I want us to begin to go through the Gospel of Mark. where we see the miracles of Jesus. Thomas Jefferson and other deists, if you will, like him, wanted to rewrite Scripture. He removed the miracles, because that's just hogwash. Because Jefferson was really smart. He's smarter than God. I want us to experience and encounter King Jesus. None of us know Jesus like we should, young and old. None of us do. And so we're going to engage in exegesis, not eisegesis. We're going to read the text and examine what it says. We're not going to read into it. We're going to try to do this. Try to see what it actually means. The Gospel of Mark the word of the Lord, which is eternally true. This Gospel is shorter than the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew focused a lot on the sermons of Jesus, a lot of Jesus' words. Like I said, the Gospel of Mark focuses on a lot of the miracles of Jesus. And we see Jesus' humanity. Fully God and fully man, which is the hypostatic union, the combination of divine and human natures and the single person of Jesus Christ. It's a very straightforward gospel. Not so much the interpretation. These are the facts. This is what happened. Immediately, immediately, immediately. So, why the gospel of Mark? Mark wrote to the early church. Which was being intensely persecuted. Satan wanted to destroy the church before it broke out to the world. Satan failed. Jesus won. Jesus is winning. And what faces us, dear friends, is what has always faced true Christians for the last two millennia. You need the facts. These are the facts. This is what Jesus said, this is what Jesus did. You need the encouragement of this gospel. You need the faith in Christ. We need Jesus raw and uncut. We need to know the coming climax which built to the passion of the Christ. His crucifixion, which was followed by His resurrection and His ascension. His pain for your and my endless sins. Because for you to live as a true Christian today in safe Cincinnati, Ohio, United States of America, it will mean discipleship, which means discipline from God's good and provident hand. It will mean pruning you, which never feels good, but results in the fruit. To be a Christian today will mean sanctification. Oh, that's a painful word. You're facing suffering. You're facing temptations. You're facing persecutions. Famine. Peril. Perhaps the sword. If we love Jesus, then we will keep His commandments. And if we keep Jesus' commandments, the world will hate us. And if you hate the sound of this, then you're worldly-minded. And so, without further ado, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, I'm going to re- read from an older translation with a few words. The ministry of John the Baptist is where we begin. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold! I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Who is this? Is this Jesus? Who are we we talking about? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. We're talking about John the Baptist. He did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair. Did did anyone hear? I think that The bride heard, you guys hear Mr. Patrick kind of raise his eyebrow a little bit? Clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of his skin about his loins and did eat locusts and wild honey. Crazy man. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water but He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's a powerful sermon. Part of the trouble, speaking of giving us over, part of the trouble of us being such a visual age, we discount the actual words of Scripture because we're consumed with YouTube and movies and stupid, frivolous cartoons and video games. Imagine meeting this man, John the Baptist. Let me ask you, what did he smell like? You can't get that from a movie. Now we read about the baptism of Jesus, picking up in verse 9. Again, a different translation, which is fine. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. Imagine yourself there. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered unto Him. The angels ministered unto Him. Do angels minister to you throughout the week? You bet they do. We've we've seen, and I haven't seen the angels, we've seen God respond to our son in the hospital answering very particular requests, guiding the surgeon's hands during surgery. Angels ministering unto him. Verse 14. Excuse me. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. I think Pastor Bailey asked, Am I too loud, sweetie? I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I think Pastor Bailey asked us a couple weeks back, has anyone done open air preaching? Repent and believe. Try it. Try it once. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Jesus, commands with... What was the A word that is going to come up here in a little bit? Jesus commanded with... authority. Authority. It's a weird thing that He says here. They're fishing. They're trying to earn a living. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after Me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets. This is why you read different translations. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother and also were in the ship many their nets. And straightway he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue. What a coincidence. On the Sabbath day. And he taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority. And not as their scribes. Not as these fools. Sorry for the sniffles. We read about the expulsion of evil spirits. Listen to this with authority. Verse 23 And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What did his voice sound like? You don't know. It's been corrupted by demon possession movies. Saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God. So the demon's asking questions of Jesus. Does Jesus submit to the demon and answer the questions? No, no, sir. Jesus will ask the questions and he will give the commands. Thank you very much. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Notice, when Jesus gives a command, ain't no one disobeys Jesus' command. I don't care if you're a legion of demons. You will obey the voice of the Lord. If only we were so obedient. That was kind of a smack. He came out of him, and they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. (laughs) Two brief points. Christ healing many patients is this heading in this translation. Healing many patients as the great physician. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, verse 29, They entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, but Simon's wife's mother, Simon's wife's mother, the first pope, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. He's speaking with authority. He's healing. He's casting out demons. He is the one that they've waited for their whole lives. The one with whom we have to do. The man who told me all the things that I have done. They're running to him. Everybody. They're more eager to come to him than everyone to file into Paul Brown Stadium or Great American. It's just a game. All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. I already gave you my word. Now I'm going on to the next city. And to finish the chapter, the healing of a leper. What is leprosy? Judah. You gave a couple answers already. Big sores—it's a skin disease. Is it something you would want to contract? Is it something that, if you had it, and you find that Jesus might be able to heal you of it, would you want to go to Him? How 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 fast would you run to Him? As fast as I could. That is the correct answer, Mr. Bettinghouse, and that and that is what you need to remember with our sins. You run away from your disease and you run to Jesus as fast as you can because He has the life, the life, the eternal life. And there came a leper to Him, Jesus, beseeching Him and kneeling down to Him and saying unto Him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, which we can all learn from. Put forth his hand and touched him. Jesus was not afraid to touch the leprosy. You and I would have been, probably. Jesus touched him. If thou wilt, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. He didn't need to give alms. He didn't need to give a prayer, the man. Jesus cleansed him. He saved him. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou, say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter. Think of the Chicago fire. Ain't no one containing that and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him out in the desert from every quarter. May we all leave here knowing King Jesus a little bit better than we did before. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, even to a thousand generations. May Jesus Christ be praised now and forevermore. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.